Welcome to the Get Lusty Podcast. Hello, my name is Erica Gregg of Get Lusty for Couples. I'm here with O.M. Gray, a speaker, author, blogger, podcaster, writer of all kinds. Thank you so much, Olivia, for being here. Well, thank you so much, Erica, for having me. Lovely. So we are going to talk about polyamory and relationships today. I'm so excited. Yeah, me too. Thank you. It's it's really just such an honor to be and get lusty with you. And I'm so thrilled that you've been featuring some of my articles from my blog, Caught in the Cogs, on yours. I'm just honored and, and my readers are thrilled. And yeah, we're reaching more people this way. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, we are so glad to feature such a wonderful lady. You're doing <laughs> such great work. How can we not cross post you? We're so excited to do that. So tell us, how did you get here? How did you get to this place of, of writing about polyamory? It's going on close to two years ago. I started writing polyamory articles, or, or relationship articles, rather. I'm a romance author. I, I write paranormal romance, uh, mostly steampunk. My first novel is called Avalon Revisited. And so it just, you know, it kind of fit, really, writing romance. My husband and I have been polyamorous for going on seven years now. And something that was going on with me personally back at the end of 2010 got me to start writing some love poetry as well as these relationship essays. And it started out by writing some informative posts about misconceptions around polyamory and what polyamory lifestyle was like. And, and it evolved from there. And over the last couple of years, it has gotten increasingly personal. Mm. Um, especially with the kind of some of the things that we're going through this year, some very personal, very raw posts, but what I've found so inspiring on one side and really healing as well is the number of, and I think it's healing for my readers as well. In fact, I have a post coming up this Friday about why I do this is that I connect with people. You know, and there are other people out there who are dealing with the same things who are either looking to open their marriage or they're struggling with things like infidelity or they're struggling with things like commitment issues or with, a, you know, emotional or, or verbal abuse and these kind of things. And they find my blog and they find solace there and they comment and I find that I feel less alone, they feel less alone and, and it just is kind of this really beautiful thing that happens right there on WordPress. Mm. So talk about polyamory. Tell us about, for the newbies out there, the difference between polyamory and monogamy. What for you is the difference between those two? Well, polyamory is what I have found. I feel like it has a different meaning now than it did when we first opened up seven years ago. It has evolved. It's become much, much more popular now. I, I find that polyamory has kind of become a catch-all term for ethical non-monogamy. And obviously the difference between monogamy and polyamory or other types of ethical non-monogamy is that one is monogamy, that quote, traditional in our society relationship is, you know, one person and you're committed to one person, faithful supposedly to one person for the length of that relationship, if not for life, you know, supposedly for life if you're married. And non-monogamy, ethical non-monogamy, is the concept behind that. The concept behind polyamory is that it is unrealistic at best to expect that one person is going to fulfill your every need, every moment of every day for the rest of your life. And that the idea that you can deeply love 
more than one person without the love diminishing for the others. Um, that love, I, I often say in my blog, love breeds love. Desire breeds desire. With more desire, the desire, and with more love, the love and the desire in your current relationship or your, some people call primary relationship or your first relationship, however you want to put it, is just magnified as well. It's just more love, ideally. But the difference is, I think, with monogamy, I, I think I heard the statistic once on Dan Savage show that it was upwards of 80% of monogamous marriages or monogamous relationships, married or not, one or both partners uh, are unfaithful. And so people are non-monogamous <laughs> to a great degree. The difference here is the ethics. The difference is that in ethical non-monogamy, like polyamory, is that everybody knows we're honest about being attracted to other people, about having feelings for other people, where everybody knows and everybody is on board, and they don't feel lied to, they don't feel cheated on, they don't feel dismissed or diminished. There is just love. And in a, in a monogamous relationship where there is cheating, then as... As so many people who have experienced that kind of betrayal or have been lied to, especially if they've been cheated on, knows that the sex with the other person is nowhere near as damaging as the betrayal, as the lie, as the deception. And so what we're striving for in polyamory and in other non-monogamous um, types of relationships is to cut out that deception. There's no need for it. Mm. So from this framework, it seems like polyamory... And as a, as a monogamous person and as um, somebody who's definitely not ready for polyamory, um, it, it always seems like there's this perspective that polyamory is better than monogamy. And I don't necessarily think it's better or it's worse, but it's an alternative, right? It is. It's an alternative, and I don't think it is better or worse mm -hmm. either. It depends mm -hmm. on the person. Yeah. I think that people are going to look at non-monogamous relationships as they are now looking at homosexual relationships. You know, it's like this, this idea that someone chooses which gender to be attracted to is absurd, of course. Hmm. Um, one either is or is not gay or lesbian, okay? There is no, or, or straight, you know, to quote straight. There is no choice there. And I think that what people are going to come to realize is that people are either monogamous by nature or non-monogamous by nature mm -hmm. nothing there is not not right or wrong good or bad i'm not putting judgment mm -hmm. on either lifestyle i've lived both i've been monogamous i've been polyamorous um, i think that now even if i never have another lover other than my husband for the rest of my life i would still consider myself polyamorous because of how mm -hmm. i feel and how i view relationships how i view love how i view desire i do believe that love to be in love with more than one person without it diminishing the love for anyone else is very possible. I've experienced it. Mm. I've seen others experience it. So I don't think that either one is good or bad, right or wrong. It depends on the person, depends on the couple. I often say that every couple or group, you know, whether it's a triad or a quad or poly family, poly pod, whatever, every couple, every, every romantic group is as unique as every individual. And what works for one couple will not for another. And that's why communication is so important, whether you're monogamous or non-monogamous. Communication and honesty and integrity is what it's about. And I think even with monogamy, 
to think that you will never be attracted to another person or your spouse will never be attracted to another person as long as you live is highly unrealistic. Mm. And I think to blame your spouse, and by you, I don't mean you, Erica, I mean a person, mm. you know, um, is to blame your spouse for feeling attraction to another person or to blame yourself. To think there's something wrong with you or there's something that your spouse is failing at because you feel attracted to another person, it saddens me because I think it's natural to, as human beings, sex is a very natural part of our life. It is it is as much a biological need as food or water or air. Mm-hmm. And so to fault someone or, or yourself, judge yourself for having those feelings is just detrimental to yourself and to your relationship. I think even if you choose to live a monogamous lifestyle because you and your partner are monogamous, mm. then still be open about those things. You know, talk about, because when you don't talk about that, when, you, when you're when you ashamed of feeling that rush of desire or feeling that attraction, or maybe you work with somebody in close proximity and you're developing feelings and you're ashamed of that, mm. these are all perfectly natural things. You may not choose to live that lifestyle. You may not want to live that lifestyle, but Mm. please don't deny that this is natural. There is nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with your marriage. There's nothing missing in your marriage. This is what happens when people get together and people make connections. Mm. And so be honest with yourself and be honest with your spouse about it. And that's how you build intimacy is by expressing those things that society tells us we should be ashamed of, those things that we're afraid of. Because fear is... I wrote a post on this long, way back mm-hmm. in the beginning, like last year sometime about fear, about sharing fears. And that is one way to deeply build intimacy with your partner because oh, yeah. fears are something where we're taught societally to be ashamed of. And so many people hide their fears out of fear, <laughs> out of shame, out of guilt <laughs> that it ends up festering. And so say that there is someone at the office that you're really attracted to and, and he or she has given you the eye or whatever, and you have these feelings, the more you try and keep a lid on it, the more that's going to grow. You mm. diffuse that by talking about it. You diffuse it by talking about it with the person that you have chosen to spend your life with, who you trust more than anyone else. And by exposing yourself in the right way, you know, and you shouldn't even use the word right, <laughs> a way that's beneficial to the relationship, um, in, in a way that's beneficial to yourself and to the relationship, then they are also, they can reassure you, you can reassure them, you mm. can build intimacy together because you're both human beings mm. who have fears and insecurities and jealousies. And so let's talk about communication. Communication is definitely essential for for all relationships. Uh Now, it seems like you've kind of presented some ideas around the challenges of polyamory. Maybe not the challenges, the advantages. You talked about polyamory. I guess it would be awesome to talk about some of your recommendations for... Communication? Yes, for communication. Yeah. In relationships, because in, in polyamorous relationships, anything that I say, really anything that I say about relationships, whether it, it really goes for both monogamous and polyamorous relationships. And mm-hmm. it's something that I heard Pepper touch on when, in, when you spoke with him, which was a brilliant interview, by the way, I enjoyed it very much, um, is, is that 
you know, this idea that you can just go out and build multiple relationships all across, you know, it's, it's, I think, erroneous. And I think that people try to do it, and I don't think they're terribly successful at it. I think that you've got to really invest in one relationship at a time, and that relationship has to be solid, and you're going to have to work through whatever insecurities and fears and jealousies and so forth in this relationship, in this entity. Because when you're in a relationship with someone, there is you, there's this other person, and then there's this relationship. There's this third entity that holds the two of you together. And there is responsibility to that relationship. There's responsibility for yourself, for mm. your own feelings. There's a responsibility mm. to that relationship. And that includes caring for and sometimes protecting the heart of your partner. And by protect, a lot of people use this, oh, I just did, I didn't want to hurt you, I wanted to protect you, as an excuse for deception. And you are never protecting your life partner by deceiving them. You are hurting them because whatever the truth is might hurt, but it doesn't hurt as much as a deception on top of that. Mm. And one of the things that I always say when it comes to communication, whether whatever your relationship style is, the harder it is to tell your partner something, the more important it is to tell them that very thing. Mm. It's because, true. Yeah, you don't you don't you want to be able to communicate with your partner. That's really yeah, important. Yeah, absolutely. And as far as communication styles, one of the things that's difficult to learn, I've been learning communication techniques for oh, close to 20 years now, and um, one of the things that's sometimes difficult to learn is not mm. to use judgmental language. Mm. And especially those of us like me who were raised Catholic. <laughs> oh, yeah. and a lot of that judgmental language is is cultural. You know, just like I caught myself saying, right, you know, do it the right way. Okay, well, that's a judgmental word, right? Here's, you know, what's right for one person is not right for another. What's yeah. wrong for one person is not wrong for another. And so True. these are kind of judgmental terms I try to stay away from. True. And that's, and, and I was kind of thinking about this, that vaginas are a lot like relationships because what works with one vagina or one vulva one labia, one clitoris, does not necessarily work with this with the other, right? That's so right. that's right. And the same could probably said for penises. Yeah. Have ones could tell you. But yeah, I mean, you know, different things work for different guys. And that's what sure. I was saying before about relationship is every relationship is as unique as every individual. What right. works for one what works for my husband and I may not work for another couple. And that's a great that's really great analogy. Really great analogy. Yeah, so as far as communication goes, one of the one of my biggest pieces of advice is that the best thing to do when talking with someone is to use I statements. I know that, that it's probably not the first time you've heard this. Yeah. And that is you don't you can't use accusatory language. If you mm-hmm. need to sit down with your significant other and talk about something that has hurt you, if you take ownership for your feelings instead of an accusatory stance then that conversation could go much more smoothly, especially mm. if your partner, your significant other is on board with, you know, communicating in a way that's beneficial for the health of the relationship. You know, so you, you would sit down and you wouldn't say, you hurt me or you were mean to me yesterday or, you know, something like that, because that is, you're saying it's a you statement. You so hurt hard. Me. <laughs> yeah. You hurt me. You were mean to me, you ignored me, okay, you neglected me, 
then you're telling this other person what they did, which that may in their mind not be what they did. Okay, so you're accusing them of doing something. Now, you may have felt neglected, you may have felt hurt, so that's what you say. I felt hurt yesterday. I felt neglected last night. Then you are owning your feelings. This is how I feel. I felt neglected when this and this and this happened. Mm. And that way you're owning your feeling. It takes that accusation away. Because a lot of times when people feel attacked, if they're feeling you're accusing them, they are not going to hear anything you say. They are going to throw up the wall of defense and either just block you out or they're going to attack back. And that's how things will escalate. And so I think owning your feelings and trying, being very mindful to speak in I statements. Now, as things go, it's easy to fall into the, but you did this, but you did this, but you did oh, this. Oh, yeah. It's so easy. It's so easy. Oh, it is. Oh, it is so easy. And like I said, I've been doing this for 20 years and I still fall into it, you mm-hmm. know, because when, when emotions rise, this is kind of things that happen, especially when feelings are hurt or if you, if you're scared of losing the relationship or you're scared of it, you know, just being uncomfortable or horrible for days or weeks, you know, if you bring this up or whatever your fear around this is, then this is where self-awareness comes in. Become aware of what you're afraid of and then express that fear. Mm. I'm afraid of saying this because I'm afraid that you're going to be angry. I'm afraid of saying this because I'm afraid of losing you. I'm afraid of, right? And then mm. also, well, hopefully, because th- another really good thing for this communication is when you're not in that position, when something hasn't been triggered, when you're not angry or upset or feeling jealous or feeling scared or feeling insecure, when everything is great, that's when you have a conversation about how to handle things when this happens. Mm. Like if I, if I, you know, honey, if I ever slip into the, you did this, you did this, this is how it would be beneficial for me. You know, this, this would be helpful if you said this to remind me to use I statements. And that could vary from person to person, you know, because if you are upset and you slip into, well, you really hurt me yesterday and you did, you know, and then your partner turns around and says, um, I statements, you know, how is that going to <laughs> at that point, right? So one yeah. of the things I think to understand with communication is that if a person is upset, if they're in that space of, of anger or hurt or fear, first of all, recognize that's what it is. Anger, by the way, is pretty much everything can boil down to a fear. Mm-hmm. Anger boils down to a fear. Jealousy boils down to a fear. And so if you can remember that this person that you love ever so dearly is just afraid Hmm. And they are saying these things because they are afraid. They are, they are afraid of losing you. They are afraid of something repeating of, you know, something that happened in their past that such and such has triggered them from some childhood, you know what? Hmm. These are the kind of things that the person who is not yet upset in the couple can still rationally think about because they're not the one who's been triggered yet. So talk about these kind of things when you're not in a triggery space, when everything's happy and hunky and dory and you're having a glass of wine and you're sharing a chocolate chip cookie or whatever, you know, that's when you talk about these things about how to handle it when this happens. And as you share these things, it just brings you closer together. Mm-hmm. So and, and, and it'll improve communication for what works with that couple. 
Yeah, you've, that's, I think you've just given us a little gem there, a little nugget of a gem on communication and the using I and reminding me to do that as well. I think that that's so important for a relationship, those I statements, and that is so, so much. Well, so much, and, and the understanding that if someone slips out of that, you know, that is probably not the time to attack them for not using I statements. You know, yeah. Just like have, have that clause in there. Uh, or, you know, have that set up as like, this is, this is how to get me out of that space. You know, this is the best way to kind of get me out of that space when I'm in there. If I'm not being mindful and conscious about what I'm saying, because you can't be all the time, especially if, if, if a deep fear has been triggered. Mm. Yeah. All that goes out the window a lot of times, you know, and so how can your partner bring you back into a mindful space, bring you back into a safe space where you no longer feel afraid? So then you can express yourself in that way. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. So we talked about polyamory. We talked about communication. You are blogging extensively on these. You are doing tons of writing in a whole variety of areas. What are you kind of most looking forward to in terms of what's going on with you over the next, uh, say, six months, one year? Yeah. Let's see. I've started a new book. I haven't written a novel as... O.M. Gray for, oh my goodness, a couple of years now, um, because of some personal stuff. So I am very excited about writing a book. I've written several short stories, obviously blog posts over blog posts and podcasts out the wazoo and so forth. But so I, I am looking forward to writing this next novel over the next few months. And I'm really looking forward to going on tour as Olivia, which is something I've done. I can't really say I've gone on tours, Olivia. I have been like literary guest or literary guest of honor at several different steampunk conventions uh, over the last couple of years. But next year, I really am planning on going a cross-country tour here in the U.S. as well as in Europe. And not only going to steampunk convents and, and events and these kind of things, but, but going to sex-positive events and conferences, visiting with polyamorous groups, um, in various cities and talking with them about intimacy, about communication, about respect and integrity, about sex positivity and the kind of things that people don't want to talk about in sex positivity and why it is so important to talk about those very things in communities, uh, things, things like sexual assault and uh, things like, you know, boundary crossing, um, which is a euphemism oftentimes for sexual assault and, and how, uh, how a community can respond in a healthy way for the person who has experienced the trauma as well as for the person who's been accused of doing so. Hmm. Well, that sounds like a, some awesome stuff and, and some awesome stuff that we are definitely going to be staying abreast of and, and blogging about and, and tweeting about and all sorts. So awesome. uh, we'll, we'll be talking about your good stuff and, and thank you so much for joining us and, and oh, talking about thank you so much for having all, all your good ideas today. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. It's just been such a joy talking with you, Erica. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. To learn more about Get Lusty, visit getlusty.com, follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Get Lusty, and have a lusty day.